Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Victory through a spirit-filled life. As we've talked, we are facing crises in the world around us, natural disasters, illnesses, and all of that. You turn on the news for five minutes, and you feel like you want to climb up to your house roof and jump off. <laughs> Maybe that's you. My wife has the clicker, so she shuts it off before I can climb. <laughs> She's watching right now, shaking her head. What did he just say? But anyways, pastor has been teaching us on prophecy, and he's been teaching us each of us can prophesy, prophesy correct? Yeah. And we've been experiencing that. He's been highlighting people. We've had some awesome words, good words that have come forth and really ministered to and touched people's lives. And again, that's to confirm the work of the Spirit in our lives, that we are a people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, can minister by the Holy Spirit, and we can all prophesy one by one. That is the truth. And if that's the case, we need to use the gift. Amen? He's also taught us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, mentioned the motivational manifestation and ministry gifts of the Spirit. His reasoning for doing that is we can all minister by the Holy Spirit. There's not an elite group of people that have the ministry and everybody else watches them minister. The scripture says clearly that we're a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood unto our God, and we can each minister one by one. And specifically, Pastor highlighted the motivational gifts, I'm sorry, the manifestation gifts, that as we gather together, the Spirit of God is going to move. May the Spirit of the Lord put an expectancy in your and my heart that we expect God to use us. And it's like that. We've always got to take that step of faith. But as we take that step of faith, the Lord always meets us and uses us to bless his people and to bless the people that don't yet know Jesus. He's also been sharing with us, of course, as he's teaching through Revelation. This last week was just a powerful message as he shared about the suffering of the church of Smyrna. And he said, you know, that that's part of the Christian life. Joy, you want to write that one in your journal, right? And say, we're facing persecution. But the word also says that we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of our Lamb. Again, as we read the end of the book, as we read this book, the book says that we're victorious in Jesus Christ. And may the Spirit of God again fill us afresh with faith that we understand the victory that we're in. We understand that we're in a war, but we also understand the one who is in our life that overcomes the war and gives victory to all of us. Amen? So today, as we move on from where pastor has been teaching us, we will talk about spirit-filled living. In the face of frustration, struggles, disappointments, and defeat, a positive mindset is not enough. The remote control where my wife turns off the TV in the midst of my rant is not enough. There's got to be something more. The word says that as darkness increases, grace superabounds. We know that the Spirit of the Lord will overcome all these things. 
But how do we do this? You see, Jesus has an answer. The answer that Jesus has is the Spirit-filled life. He has given us the helper, the comforter, and he has given us the ability to overcome all things. I've got an example for you found in the Apostle Paul. Paul and Silas were ministering in Philippi. The Lord had prohibited them from going into Asia and called them to go into Philippi and minister in Macedonia. And so they were being obedient. In several days, they were just teaching and declaring the work of Jesus, the gospel. And there was this slave girl that followed them around. A spirit of divination was on her, and she declared that they were from God, listened to their message. And finally, Paul just gets irritated, turns around, and rebukes the spirit. The spirit leaves her, and their owners found out they couldn't make any money anymore. A woman has been set free from demonic control, but nobody was rejoicing. Instead, they threw Paul and Silas into jail. They beat them, put them in shackles. But then the scripture says in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of their pain, they did something unique. By the Spirit, family had to be the Spirit. They were praying and praising and worshiping the Lord. You see, in the midst of the onslaught of evil, their response by the Spirit, by the fullness of the Spirit, was to worship and praise the goodness of God, because if God be for us, who can be against us? And so as they celebrated the goodness of the Lord, it says that the prisoners were listening to them. But then they said there was a great earthquake, and the chains fell off of them, and the prison doors opened, and they were set free. You see, as we move by the Spirit, and as we face the difficulties in life, and don't allow them to overcome us, but we overcome those things by the Spirit of the Lord, in the authority of Jesus, in worship, and praise by the Spirit, chains break, bondages are broken, and people are set free, including you and I. It's an awesome lesson. We have a scriptural promise that's found in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. And the scripture says, Jesus cried out saying, if any man is thirsty, if any woman is thirsty, you thirsty? I'm definitely thirsty. I grew up in the desert. I'm always thirsty. But I'm thirsty more for Jesus than anything else in my life. I want more of him. And that's what's being talked about. If anybody is thirsty for the things of the Lord and for their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Jesus says, let them come to me and drink. He believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. It is a promise that Jesus will pour forth his spirit. And Jesus spoke of the spirit who those who believed in him would receive. So the outcome is not defeat. It is not loneliness. It's not problems. But there is an overflow of the spirit of God that you and I as his children should regularly expect because it is a promise that has been given to us by the Lord himself. And we know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know that our Lord keeps his word. Amen? So our victory then comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. The effects of the Holy Spirit's presence on people's lives, 
the scripture says in Acts chapter 13, verse 52, it says that they all, um, the disciples continually were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. But again, the background of this, it says in Acts 13, verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began to rejoice and glorify the word of the Lord and many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of the prominence and leading men of the city to instigate a persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they drove them out of the district. But they, Paul and Barnabas, shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went on to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Ben talked to us about the aspect of persecution, but the fruit of the persecution cannot out overcome the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice something that in the midst of their problem, both in prison and being chased out of the city, that the disciples were filled with the praises of God, with the joy of the Lord, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were able to overcome. And family, that in essence is a word to you and I tonight as we face the things in our community and our society that are going on. It doesn't matter how great the darkness is because darkness is overcome by the Spirit of God. And no matter how great the darkness is, the grace of the Lord is bigger than that. Do you believe that? I truly believe that. So our victory is comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit and the effect of God's Spirit on each of our lives is that we are filled with joy, His presence, and His power. We are never forsaken. But the need is also for a continual feeling. It's not a one-time event. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19 says, and don't get drunk with wine. Let me say that again. Don't get drunk with wine. You don't need alcohol to overcome the time that we're living in. And if you got a problem in that, let's pray for it and let's get it out of your life. You know I came from that and Jesus set me free. It goes on to say, for that is dissipation, but it says be filled with the Spirit. And our translators really didn't translate this right because it's written in the Greek. It's a present tense command. And what it says actually in the Greek is be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, it's more than a one-time event. And as Pentecostals, we've put such an emphasis on the first time that we've got filled with the Spirit. But it is something that is an ongoing event and something that is to be experienced really daily as we serve the Lord. Why do we need to be beaten, filled with the Holy Spirit? The truth, we leak. We got cracks in our life. And there are things like the world that we're talking about, problems at home, physical problems, emotional problems, financial problems. We can go on. And all of those things are meant to drain that which Jesus has given us out of our life. But we find that we can be being filled. You see, I've got a couple of favorite pails that I wash my vehicles with. 
And my favorite pail, it's square, so my scrub brush fits right in that. And I can do my class act, a little dancing while I'm doing it. But it's got a big crack in the bottom. If I told my wife, she'd throw it away. But it's my favorite pail. It's square. It fits my brush. So what I have to do to keep that pail pail full is I have to put a little bit more soap in, but also put a hose in it and let the hose run real softly, and it keeps it filled. And that really is a picture of who you and I are in Jesus. You see, we leak. But as we continually come back and are refreshed and filled again and again with the Spirit, there is an overflow in our life. You see, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not enough, family. But there is an overflow that needs to happen in our life. It's the overflow. It's when that hose is in that pail and the suds are going and they start spilling all over the side that they clean not only the truck, but they clean the driveway, the dog, and everything else that's in its path. And it's the same thing for you and I. It's the overflow of the Spirit that touches other people's lives. And so we need that continual feeling in our lives. The result as we are filled with the Holy Spirit or continually filled with the Holy Spirit, is there's a shift of focus from the world's troubles to the awesomeness of God. You know what gets me out of my funk? Put on worship music. Get into the Word. Begin to pray. There is something about when we break through in prayer and we get into the intimacy of prayer that there is an awe of God that comes and it's like, oh Jesus, you are here. That happens in worship. That happens at times when we're in the word that the Lord just speaks to our heart. And that happens when you and I are in prayer and the presence of God comes. And it's the presence of God that breaks that yoke off of us. And the things of the world, the things that we're facing with family, friends, COVID, everything else, it just doesn't seem to matter anymore because the king is present by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the king is present, there is freedom and there is victory. The word says in Acts chapter 2 that the disciples continued to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the gathering God's people and sharing what Jesus had done and to the breaking of bread, both meals together, which I think is pretty cool. We eat together, but we also celebrate communion together in the love feast with one another, declaring with each other what Jesus has done as he has set us free. Isn't he an awesome Lord? You see, they were celebrating Jesus's corporately and individually despite the struggles and the losses that they had faced. And see, many in Jerusalem, many of the Jews, they lost their homes, their jobs, their properties, their family. And the only family that they had was the family of God to be around them. But there was a great joy because all that Jesus had done for them and was done through them, there was a celebration that took place. The second result was there was an overflow of worship as they were speaking to one another's psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody into their heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for the things that God had done in the name of Jesus Christ to our Heavenly Father. You see, when you and I 
are filled with the Spirit, overflowing with the Spirit. The natural thing is to celebration. It fixes our focus on the kingdom of God and what he's done instead of the world that we live in. This is temporal. He is eternal. And we're stepping into that eternal, but we're bringing Jesus to people and people to Jesus. We're bringing eternity. Eternity starts here and now in this place. And then there is an overflow of worship. And family, if you're sad, you're down, you're broken, as we worship together, the things of the world are broken off of us. Amen? So our victory comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing thing. And there is ways for you and I to do it through worship, through prayer, through the prayers of others as we celebrate the goodness of the Lord together. Our victory also comes by walking by the Spirit or conducting ourselves by the Spirit. In other words, let the Holy Spirit guide you. And really the best text to share this is it comes out of the book of Exodus. Remember after the Passover, Israel was chased out of Egypt. They told them to go away. But they didn't just wander in the wilderness. They were led into the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God directed them and brought them to the holy mountain where they worshiped him and they saw the goodness of the Lord and they received the law of God. And then the pillar was always over the tabernacle and they knew when it was time to leave because the pillar would rise up and the pillar would start to move. And they knew that they were following God. And that's a picture for you and I. Our life is always meant to be led by the Spirit of God. It is not just something that Jesus gives us this book and says, okay, memorize this book, give a couple of prayers, go to church once a week, and you got it down until I come back. That's not enough, is it? We need a God when we need a Lord to to guide us through the problems of life. And so victory comes as we're walking by the Spirit, as we're following the Spirit, as we're listening to Jesus and discerning what he says to us, both through the word, through the prophetic words that we receive, through worship, through prayer. As God guides us, we have that leading that we need and we are walking by the Spirit or conducting our lives by the Spirit of God. It says that Paul, in Acts 16, he received direction as he was following the Holy Spirit. He forbid him to go to Asia, but opened up the doors of Macedonia where there was much fruit and the gospel really prospered in that place. Some hardship with Paul Dennett. It also says, walk by the Spirit or conduct your life by the Spirit. Listen to Him and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. As we walk by the Spirit, the Spirit gives us freedom and delivers us from the temptation of sin that would try to overcome us. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It is the Spirit is the essence of life that is in you and I as we've been born again. But as we are conducting our life continually by the Spirit, again, we live in the very presence of the Lord. And it says, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. So again, we need not only to be filled and overflowing by the Spirit of God, the very essence of the presence of God, but victory also comes through you and I 
as we are walking by the Spirit. That means relationship and communication where we're listening to Him, listening to His Word, and inviting Him in the various areas and situations of our life. And I would say I probably get a C plus on that right now, maybe a C, but I'm learning in every situation to call on the Lord. The other day I had uh, something break in my house and I was like, oh, Jesus, I've never seen this before. What do I do? You know what? He gave me wisdom and he showed me what to do. There was a relationship issue with a family member. And I was like, not again, Jesus. I know you've never prayed that, but that's what I was praying, you know. And I was like, Lord, how are we going to get through this? And again, the Spirit of the Lord brought wisdom and guidance. It's a very practical thing for you and I, but our hearts should be open to the leading and the guiding of the Spirit as we walk, as we conduct our life continually by the Spirit of the Lord. There is freedom, there is purpose, there is liberty, there is wisdom, there is blessing that's involved in that. We're also to minister by the Spirit. Pastor Ben, again, has been speaking to us on that as he has taught us that each of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit for common good. And that gets to our individual prayer life. God, use my neighbor right now. Bless them and fill them. You've never prayed that, have you? Ah, you lie. I'm like, God, use anybody but me right now. And then he always highlights me. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. You see, the prayer really is the expectancy in our hearts as we're walking by the Spirit. If we're conducting ourselves by the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord wants to use us to manifest His goodness and His love to other people. We are instruments to bring healing and life to people. And so part of walking by the Spirit is ministering to other people and allowing Him to use us. And also as you and I walk in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings the fruit of the Spirit into our life. And it is not something that you and I can work up on our own, can't we? I'm going to be kind today. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to get mad at COVID. I'm not going to get mad when somebody cuts me off on my bicycle with a car. Okay, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't do you that way. And then I hear the news, amped up. Somebody cuts me off on my bicycle. I'm done. The dog runs away. Life is horrible again. The decisions that we try to make is make ourselves a good person. We can't. We've already failed. But as we conduct ourselves by the Spirit, not only do we have that continual relationship and direction and guidance for life, not only do we have the fruit of successful ministry as Jesus reaches through our lives and touches other people, but we also have the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit that comes in our life that brings love, joy, Joy in the time that we're in. Joy. We celebrate the goodness of the Lord. We have peace. We have patience. We have kindness. We have goodness. We have faithfulness. We have gentleness. We have self-control. Because we are conducting our life by the Holy Spirit, listening to him. And as we listen to him, he silences the lies. And he releases his truth. 
And by releasing his truth, the fruit of the Spirit comes. It's the very fullness in relationship with Jesus. The more your time with him, the more you become like him. And the fruit of the Spirit is just a natural outflow of us as we are walking by the Spirit. So again, victory comes um, through being filled with the Spirit continually. Victory comes by walking by the Spirit. And victory comes by dwelling in the Spirit I don't know you, but I'm a person of action. I love doing things. I hate sitting still. And my hobbies are fixing, tearing apart things, moving things, rebuilding things. I just love doing it. It's part of my life. Even at my desk, you know, they have zip ties and they have uh, duct tape that they tape me in so I can sit at my desk. I've got to get up and move. I just, I can't sit. How do people do this? I've got to move around in life. And for me to stay focused, you know, you can call me ADHD or whatever it is in the world, you know, it's just a partial truth of who I am. But I've learned something. I've learned to really grow in my relationship with Jesus that I need to settle down and I need to focus. I need to abide. And that abide isn't just getting something or having something accomplished and something done. I always want just the answer. What's the next thing, Jesus? Right now, let's pull down the mountain. Okay, it hasn't happened yet. Why? Let's pull down the mountain. I prayed twice now. It should happen. (laughs) I know you've never approached the Lord that way, but I have. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. There's two of us in the room. You guys can pray for us. So there is something that comes by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Victory comes through abiding, through resting, through remaining in, through trusting. It's a deep relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it can only come by the person of the Holy Spirit to do that. John, it says, pastor has been teaching us in Revelation, but it says John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And to be in the Spirit, I don't know if you've been there, but you're raptured into the presence of the Lord, and you're really unaware of your surrounding activities, anything that's going on. You're really oblivious to it because you're just caught up with the very goodness, the power, the might, the presence of the one who loves us. There's been times I know pastor talks about it where just the presence of the Lord has come so thickly upon them that all they could do is kneel and bow down. And I've experienced that. You see, that's dwelling in the presence, the power of the living God. And one of my heroes in the Bible is Joshua. Joshua was a servant of Moses. And it says that Moses would go out to this tent, which he called the tent of meeting. It was not the tabernacle. It was a little pup tent that was set outside of the camp. And it says that he would go out to meet with the Lord and stand in the door. And it says the very presence of God would come. The cloud would move and settle. And it says that God would speak to him face to face. But you see, there was another person that was there. And it was Joshua. And Joshua would be in the tent. And even as Moses would leave... Joshua would remain there because he was a person of the presence of the Lord. There was a deep relationship, a love relationship, and a trust, and a relaxing, and a just being in the presence of the Lord. And for you and I, where we are today, and what you and I are facing, 
the best thing that you and I can do is just get into that dynamic relationship where we dwell into the presence of the Lord. Because once we know that Jesus is there, we know we have our requests, we know we have the answer, we know that our God is for us, and if our God is for us, who can be against us? There is something about his abiding presence that breaks every lie, that breaks every yoke and every chain. And it's for you and I to give ourselves time. You see, for me, I want to fix, I want to do, I want to move, I got to walk the dog, I got to fill the car, I got to clean the car. I've got all these different things. But when I make a decision to settle myself down and to just slump into my chair, my backyard, or whatever it is, and say, Lord, I'm just here for you. The presence of the Lord comes. And it changes the very fabric of who I am as an individual. You see, victory comes as we dwell in the presence of the Spirit of God. There is a book that you should read. It's a simple book. It's called Practicing the Presence. It was written in the 17th century by a monk. And his name was Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence was considered by all the other monks to be clumsy, to be unskilled. And so he was just simply assigned the duty of working in the kitchen. And his great job for the kingdom of God in the monastery that he lived was to wash dishes and make soup. And the thing that he detested the most in life was being in the kitchen. And he fought God for a long time and he just got no rest. And finally, he just gave up. But as he gave up, he learned something. The word says that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And he learned that no matter where he was, that God was present there with him. And he learned through his trials and through just the struggles that he had in doing something that he didn't want to do and being judged by other people that he could know the living God intimately. And he learned to have Jesus present with him in the kitchen and through every moment of his life. He practiced the presence of God. He dwelt in the presence of the living one. And it not only changed him, but he wrote a book that has affected generation upon generation about the simplicity of being a people that dwell in the presence of the Lord. And ultimately, if we're saying anything, that we are a spirit-filled church. And to be a spirit-filled church, a spirit-filled Christian, is much more than simply empowerment for ministry. There is great power for ministry. And Jesus said, the works I do, you will do, and greater works than these you will do. And family, that's not simply written for the apostles. That's written for you and I today. And what the world needs today is to see the hand and the power of the living God that comes to save, to heal, to deliver, and to forgive people of their sin. They need a manifestation of your, his glory. And in that, as we have the gifts in the presence of the Holy Spirit that flow through our life, it is a manifestation of the ministries of Jesus Christ. But beyond that, I am convinced that the baptism of the Spirit is far more than just simply being empowered for ministry. It's the very key of relationship with me, with the one who died for my sin and grows again from the dead. It is the relationship that I need with Jesus himself. 
It opens up the door so that I can dwell with him and be comfortable in his presence and learn to experience his grace and intimacy as never before. That I can be filled with the Holy Spirit and have an ongoing fullness that comes out of me that flows to other people and brings victory to my life. And that I can learn to conduct myself and walk by the Spirit and be led by Him. I don't know about you, but I don't do things well on my own. But when there is a King that loves me, that guides my life, it brings fruit and it brings victory in every area of my life. The baptism of the Spirit is the key for successful ministry. And being filled with the Holy Spirit pushes out the deeds of darkness and the temptations of the flesh. And walking by the Spirit gives day-to-day direction in all that God would do for us. And then finally, as we dwell in the presence of the Lord, we become more and more like Him. You know what I'm envious of? Moses. You see, Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days. And he was changed forever. And he said, Lord, just one thing, just one thing I want is I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord says, sorry, modern translation, sorry, dude, can't do that. But he says, what I can do is allow you to look at me as I pass by. And he shouted his name, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, good and merciful. And Moses saw God, as he passed by, and it changed who he was. His face radiated with the very presence of the living one. Someday you and I will radiate with the glory of the Lord. But I want to know him so intimately that even now in this world that I live in, that that glory would penetrate my heart and life. The goal of our lives is that as people look at us, that they would see Jesus in us and they would call us Christian. Not because of the title or the denomination that we go through, but because of the very Christ-likeness that there is, that they would see the glory of the living God. It would transform their lives because we have been transformed by Jesus. And as you and I dwell in his presence, we cannot but reflect his glory to the fallen world around us. So what we're saying is not only do the ministry guests, prophecy is so much needed and we're all learning to prophesy one by one, but we need that deep relationship that we are filled with the Spirit, that we are guided by the Spirit, and that we dwell in the presence of the Spirit, that it may transform our lives and make us more and more like Jesus, to where we radiate his glory. And I want people to look at me and say, you're a Christian. And I say, yeah, Jesus rocks. Because of the very fabric, we become more and more like him as we dwell with him. Amen? All right, our practicum. As we're ministering, we minister the baptism of the Spirit. And I've already said that The word says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. But you see, again, we look for the professionals, and we don't want to say that, but we know when Pastor Ben prays for somebody to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know when Jared back there prays for somebody to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But how about us? 
You see, we're all royal priests unto our God. And I believe the practical aspect of this, we have said that we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for ministry, for living, for following Jesus, for direction, and for radiating his beauty. It is something that is a necessity, and it is part of that which God has given us. The word says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Can't take my salvation away. The word says that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. The word says that we have received the down payment of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that we have eternity? Because the Spirit of God dwells in us. That's the down payment. And Jesus will come back on a horse and give us the rest of the salvation that we have. But there is also something else that you and I have. The ability to pass on the baptism of the Spirit to other people. That people can receive that same fullness that you and I have. It is not a competition. It is not a spiritual belt of honor. But it is something that is essential for the Christian walk. That we are able to minister and we're able to follow Jesus by the very presence of the Holy Spirit. So, as we're ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how do we do this? Just practical stuff. One, make sure the person knows Jesus. The word says that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died for our sin and rose again from the dead, we shall be saved. But as you're ministering to people, just because they go to church, you don't want to make the assumption that they're a Christian. We're pastoring a small church uh, up on the islands up there. And uh, one day we're deep in worship and it was actually a good worship service, which is a victory in a small church. But it was just like Jesus was there. And all of a sudden there is this annoying screaming and shouting and crying and agony. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Where is the pastor? The pastor needs to silence this thing. Then the Lord says, you are the pastor. And I said, bummer for me, Jesus. So I went and I put my arm around this young lady. And I said, hon, what's going on? And she goes, I have gone to church all my life, but never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And today I'm giving my heart to him. From the outside, I never would have known from her conversations, from the way that she lived, that she had never received Jesus as her Lord and Savior but it was the presence of God that drew her in and gave her the ability to truly see the risen Jesus. And when she saw him, she repented, she accepted him, and then she began to preach to everybody in the church that they were nominal and they needed to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior too. It was a true word. It really shook the church up. But you know, it's the perception that we have that as we see people like her, I would have prayed the baptism of the Holy Spirit for her before she was saved, and it would have bounced off. And I wouldn't have known why. But once she was saved, I guarantee you, we baptized that woman in water. It was freezing to death, but we did it right in the sound. And then we prayed for the baptism of the Spirit, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first step as you're dealing with people and getting them filled with the Holy Spirit, this is for all of us, that you make sure that they know Jesus and that they're born again. Spend time. Let them tell you their story. 
The second thing you need to do is explain to them what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. We have just talked about that, that it's the empowerment for service, but also the empowerment to live the life for Jesus. Jesus says that uh, I will send a helper that he may be with you forever. That's found in John 14, 16. You want to use that. This is a promise from Jesus. Everything that Jesus gives is good. There's nothing that he gives us that is bad. So if he's going to give it, I want that. So you're encouraging them that there is a good gift that the Lord has for them. And Jesus also says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So wait and that's where we get the, the waiting on the Spirit of God. But uh, they were to wait until they were clothed from power. Then they would be witnesses to him. And the word says in Acts, you shall receive power then when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will be my witnesses. So what are we saying? First, make sure they're a Christian. Second, explain to them what the baptism is. And again, tell them what Jesus is doing. Not God. Jesus. Jesus is the Lord, the one that died for them, the one that went to the Father and received the Holy Spirit and sent the Holy Spirit for him. Tell him what it is about. And bottom line, family, I'll tell you that I was saved, was delivered from drugs and alcohol. But when I got filled with the Spirit, complete different person. I used to be shy, used to hide from people, want to live on the mountaintop somewhere. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, I don't know what happened. But there was a change of life. We all need this. And it changes who we are. And so you want to tell them, as you're telling them, you want to share what Jesus has done as you are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we lived in a drug house. I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. That's where I lived. And there was a cat that hated all of us. And I don't know why the cat stayed in the house, I guess, because we fed the cat, you know. But that cat wouldn't get around any of us. But when I was in the Spirit, when I got baptized in the Spirit, that cat would come and sit on my lap. And the very essence of the house that I was in, they couldn't sell their drugs anymore in that because the presence of the Spirit of the Lord was there. And they're like, we're, we're, we're trying to get religion, but we don't want it, you know. There was just the conviction of the Lord. And so as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we want to tell them that it's a promise for God. Explain to them what it is. But then we also want to just share our life testimony, how Jesus has transformed us and what the baptism of the Holy Spirit has done for us. For me, it set me all over the world. And you would think, yeah, that's you. No, it wasn't me, but it is me now because of what Jesus has done. Third, you want to ask them to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Again, it's a promise from Jesus. He says, if you ask for it, I'm going to give it to you. And so you want them to ask, do you want this gift? Well, yeah, okay, ask Jesus and I'll pray with you. And then after they pray, then you want to pray for them to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You want to speak in faith, don't doubt Remember that Jesus is the baptizer. You're simply a vessel. It's not, I'm not, I don't have anything to play in this. Jesus, you're the baptizer. It takes all the pressure off. I'm not worried about performance. 
I'm not worried about showing my spirituality. I don't have to worry about it because Jesus is the one that's going to baptize. And so speak in faith, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for them, receive the Holy Spirit, and thank the Lord for filling them with the Holy Spirit. Can I just say just a little bit of practical? Just wait. Just don't be in a rush. Just wait, listen. You'll just sense the Lord doing something. It's not something that usually happens very quickly. But again, the Lord's going to respond to your faith. And remember again that Jesus is the baptizer. You're simply a vessel. And at times, um, you're going to find hindrances. We had a, a woman down in Peru. We were praying for deliverance for her. And uh, they were praying over her. And my Spanish was very, very minimal at that point. And uh, as they're praying for her, just nothing was happening. She was just kind of sliding around the floor like a snake. And they're like, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. And it's like, it ain't happening. And so um, I went to them and one of the translators, I just said, ask her, who she has unforgiveness towards. And they go, oh no, pastor, you don't understand. I'm like, I think I do. Just ask the question. They did. She sat up, started hissing as a snake. And I said, bingo, that's where it is. So we took her through forgiveness. And as we took her through forgiveness, not only did she receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior, and she quote was a Christian already. Really wasn't. And then we prayed for the baptism of the spirit and she received it. So at times, if you're sensing, you know, as you're praying for somebody and the baptism of the Spirit is bouncing off, then ask the Lord, Lord, what's hindering this? There could be active sin in the person's life. There could be unforgiveness. That's a key family as you're ministering to people. Remember that. There also could be fear. People fear what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. Some people have come out of the occult and they truly understand that. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says that no one says that Jesus is accursed by the Spirit of God and nobody can accept Jesus as Lord except by the Spirit. Why would they say that? Because people are coming out of the occult and they know the spiritual realm. But the Christian spiritual realm is far different than the demonic realm. And then there could be occult practices or there could be people that have wrong teaching that have taught that the baptism of the Spirit is not for today. And so what we need to do is take them through the scripture and we as a staff can help you with that. Bottom line, what are we saying? That as we minister, as we walk by the Spirit, depend upon the Holy Spirit, minister by the Holy Spirit, we also need to be able to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit to other people. So a practical step that I'd like you to do is break up into small groups with each other and you at home, you can break up with your family members and you can discuss this as well. First, I'd like you to ask them, are you a Christian? And then I'd like you to ask them, tell them basically what you know about the Holy Spirit and share your personal experience with the Holy Spirit and then ask them if they want to be filled and then pray for them. And they're probably already filled, but I've already told you the word says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us can use a fresh infusion of the Holy Spirit. And then just pray for them and then have them pray for you. All right? It's a practical step. Why are we doing this? Because we're learning to prophesy with each other. 
We're learning to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit with one another. And then as we're doing that, we're also learning to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So are you game? There's no failure here. Break that, which is just kind of like, uh, kind of fearful, uncomfortable. We're always uncomfortable, but Jesus shows up and he ministers anyways. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.